this week, what I want to do is, is I want to look at a surefire way to get rid of the box, okay? Y'all in? Okay. This is the one real way to get rid of the box. And so I'm going to sh- share a little bit this morning. This may be a little different than, than maybe what you think. It may be a little bit different than maybe what you've been taught. Just bear with me, okay? Cut me some slack this morning. Uh, God doesn't live in a box. You do realize that, don't you? He is limitless. He is infinite. Infinite, the word infinite means that there's no way to contain Him, no way to measure Him. He's unmeasurable. He's everywhere. And so he, He doesn't fit in a box. He's not limited. He's not contained. Our problem is that we often worship a God, and I'm going to use God with a little g, who's too small. Very often, our God is our size. Sometimes, uh, our problem is that, that our God can only do what we can conceive or believe that He can do. And God's far, far bigger than that. Religion gives you a small God to worship. But Jesus died on the cross to show us who God was to demonstrate the immensity and the, and the limitless potential that we have in God. A lot of times we want to explain God. How many of you are comfortable when God does something you can't explain? You get uncomfortable? Let's just be honest. Sometimes we go to churches where God can be explained so that we won't be uncomfortable. You see, God's not explainable. And sometimes, and very often, if you just read the book, God did, God did things over and over and over in this book that couldn't be explained. That people just stood and, with their mouth open. They didn't know what to do. Sometimes they fell on their face because they, they, were, they were terrified. They, they, they just weren't unsure. God is, is unexplainable very often. And if, if we fit Him into rational categories that we can understand, and, and we fit Him in, into a place where we can say God does this and God does not do this, then you know what? That's not the God of the Bible. Y'all with me? Now I go back and preach that last, this this best part of the sermon. Uh, it may be the best part of the sermon if we don't get it. Folks, a lot of Christians worship a God who's too small. Listen, if you can explain God, if you can fit Him inside a little box, He's not the God of this Bible. He's not. The box problem has been around a long time. And, and we, want a, we want a formula. We're, I mean, human beings, for some reason, are formula people. We like 1 plus 1 equals 2. It's something you can count on every time. Math, math is, 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 is so... Uh, exact, and we like that. But you see, God's not a formula. And God does things differently. And He does things in us differently. He may do something to me and do the same thing to you, but do it differently. Does that make sense? Okay, y'all are with me. Well, the box problem 
began, it didn't begin with God. It began the moment Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. At that very moment, they created a box. They, they consumed the fruit, and, and their capacity to embrace God in all that He was ended. They became limited. Now, they weren't unlimited like God, but they had potential. I mean, they were in God's presence. They walked with God. God talked to them. The Bible literally says that in Luke, when it gives the genealogy of Jesus, that that Adam was the son of God. That's the only place in Scripture that Jesus doesn't follow the the son of God. Adam was, was God's son, and Eve was his daughter. And they met with God, and they communed with God in a way that, folks, most of us never have. You say, well, we can't do that. Well, you know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he restored that ability. He restored that gift. But most of us haven't gotten there yet because we live in a box. We live in the same box very often that they lived in. The box that they lived in, uh, literally, in one sense. Now, this is not the way God created us, but their physical bodies became a box because all of a sudden their physical bodies started to die. And their biggest concern was how to lengthen the life of the box. I mean, we're all, how many of you are there today? We go to doctors. We take vitamins. We want to extend the life of the box. You see, their sin had entombed them in the shell, in a sense. But Jesus came because God didn't create us to live in boxes. Okay, I want you to listen really close because I don't want you to miss this. As humanity put on the box of its own making and we tried to fit God into the box. I mean, God, God reveals Himself in the Old Testament and yet those, those folks tried to fit Him into their box of understanding. Instead of just saying, hey, you know what? God, we don't understand you. You are too great for us. They, they, they built a system that said God did this, and God didn't do this, and God does this, and on this day God will do this. And folks, we've done the same thing. We've just continued the system. We've continued the box. But that box didn't have anything to do with God. God sent Jesus to destroy the box that we were all trapped in. You say, well, how did, how did he do that? Well, he became flesh. He came into the box that all of us live in. I want you to pay close attention because there's some things I'm not saying and some things I am saying. I'm not saying that this physical body is evil and wicked and it's worthless. Okay? That's a lie. That's, that's what the Greeks taught. This body is a part of God's creation. And God will redeem this body completely, okay? That's what the resurrection is. It's the final redemption of this physical body. He will raise it up. So the body's not wicked and evil. It's the people within the body that are wicked and evil, okay? It's us. And yet Jesus took on this body. He came into this body because he had to fulfill what Adam had failed to do. 
See, Adam was, was the son of God, and he was going to live a life that exemplified who God was. He was going to be a, a, a picture of God in the physical, in a sense. He wasn't God. But he was going to be an illustration of God. And, and creation was going to learn what God wanted and what God thought and how God acted through Adam and through Eve. And yet, they failed. They sinned. That was God's plan. Guess what? God didn't have another plan. Y'all do understand that, don't you? There was no other plan. God, If God had another plan, then it meant God was wrong. Y'all with me? And if God's wrong, he ceases to be God. Okay? God's omniscient. He knows everything. God's holy. God's true. So if he has to have another plan, then the first plan, something's wrong with it. Folks, there was nothing wrong with the first plan. And so Jesus comes, and he picks up right at the place where Adam put the fruit in his mouth. Jesus picked up that place and he lived out that life. And Scripture tells us over and over and over that he manifested who God was. He showed us what God looked like in the flesh. He showed us how God acted. He demonstrated the love of God to men and women and boys and girls. Jesus became a human being. And he put on the limitations that we have. I want you to let that settle in you a minute. Do you realize Jesus got hungry? Remember what the devil told him? You're the son of God. Turn those rocks into bread. He could have done that, but he chose not to. You know why? He's the last Adam. He has to fulfill the mandate that God gave the first Adam. And so he limited himself. He became a human being. He, he, he put on limitations, or he took on limitations. He never ceased to be God. Okay, And, and this, is, this sometimes is confusing. I mean, it was confusing to me. I grew up, Jesus is God, and Jesus is man. Now, that's enough to blow your circuits right there. Amen? Y'all just be, be honest with me. Okay? It, it, that just blows my circuits. He's God. And yet he chooses not to, not to put on flesh like a coat that he can take off and discard when he's done. Folks, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus became flesh. He took on flesh and he will always be human. Do, do you all understand that? In the, in, in, when we get to heaven, when he comes for, in, the, in the rapture and in the second coming, he's human. Okay, he's got hands and fingers and eyes and feet. He's got flesh. It's just redeemed flesh or whatever. It's immortal. It's non-corruptible. It's resurrection flesh. Okay, I don't know what that is. I'm preaching way above my head right now. I'm just saying to you, when Jesus joined with flesh in Mary's womb, he took on humanity forever and ever and ever and ever. He is God. But He's also flesh just like us. And He put on those limitations. He got hungry. He, 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 he got tired. He got sleepy. He got angry. 
Y'all realize that? He got angry. He was sad. When he cut, when he was cut, he bled. When he was punched, he bruised. Folks, he was real. Real. That right there will destroy our boxes if we just let it. He was real. He became one of us. But the only difference is, he became one of us without the box. Okay? He became one of us without the sin nature. Okay? We're born with a sin nature. We have no choice but to sin. Amen? Prior to salvation. Okay? We're all, we're all born sinners, Scripture says. Jesus wasn't born a sinner. He was born a man. He was born like Adam was created. And so he comes. And Scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. It says, who, and it's talking about Jesus there, who, although he existed in the form of God, in other words, he was God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to be held on to. He was not fearful of of ceasing to become God when he became flesh, when he became a human being. But he emptied himself. Folks, that means he chose to limit his God attributes. Never ceased, never gave them up, never poured them out and left them in heaven. He just chose no longer to use them during the period of from his birth to his resurrection. He chose to be a human being just like us. I can't stress that enough. You're going to hear me say this later, so I'm going to, I'm going to prepare you for it now. Everything Jesus did, He did as a man, fully obedient to the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He did what we can do. Y'all getting awful quiet. Scripture says, Jesus said this, you'll do the things that I've done and even greater things. Okay? The reason he could say that was because he was doing them in the same way that we have to do them, through the power of the Holy Spirit and completely listening to the Father, following the Father. Luke 1, verse 35, it's a verse we read a lot of times at Christmas. and it, Folks, this is a mystery. I don't understand it, so I'm not going to try to explain it, but, but I just want you to understand, I want to emphasize the fact that God became flesh. Okay, I, I want to drive an exclamation point home there. Mary, the, the angel came and said, you know, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And, and Mary, she goes, how's that possible? I, I, I've never known a man. How, how is that possible? And this is what the angel answered and said to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Folks, that moment was the incarnation. That's when Jesus put on flesh when God took on humanity and he came to do that folks to destroy the box there was no way else no no way uh, other than that to do it Jesus joined us in the box and yet he was not limited by his humanity 
Okay, he was not. He was not uh, because he. It was not because he was God, but because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. Jesus was not limited by his humanity because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived outside the box. He colored outside the lines. Does anybody in here likes to color outside the lines? None of you go right. Well, only ones go raise your hands. Folks, life outside the box is good. It's good. But Jesus, Jesus didn't fit the mold. He, he wasn't the average rabbi, okay? He wasn't the, the, the average religious person. He wasn't the average whatever that Judaism considered average. And yet, you know what? He looked like every other Jewish man. He had a beard. I don't know how long his hair was. He didn't have a halo over his head. He wore a prayer shawl. He wore an outer garment and an inner garment. He had a sash probably, and he wore sandals. He was olive-complected and black-haired. He looked just like all the other Jewish men, and yet he wasn't like them in the sense that he wasn't in a box. Jesus was not bound up in all the religious garbage. He wasn't limited by what the rabbis said couldn't take place and couldn't happen and shouldn't happen and wouldn't happen. He was not bound up by that. He was different. And that difference in him is what can set us free. Now, I'm going to tell you, well, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the difference was? Don't answer. Just, just think, okay? Folks, the difference was the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus is a man. He's limited himself to live in the shell that we live in. And therefore, he's, he's agreed to, to, to limit himself to the limitations that we have. Hunger, thirst, weariness, anger, emotions, all that kind of stuff. The difference in Jesus was the Holy Spirit. You see, at... At the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended on him. In Luke chapter 1, or excuse me, Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, it says, Now, it came about when all the people were baptized that Jesus was baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven. And God said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, we read this. I mean, you can read it in Matthew, you can read it in Mark, you can read it in Luke, and you can read it in John. It's really, really important. That's why all four of the gospel writers put it down. We think of a bird fluttering down. And, and Scripture tells us that, that the Spirit descended like a dove. That's a metaphor, okay? It, I don't know that it was a dove, but... It's a metaphor. It's like the Spirit, you know, came down. And, and, it, and the Spirit rested on Jesus or filled Jesus, whatever however terminology you want to use, baptized Jesus. Okay? And Jesus was different from that moment on. You say, yeah, but He's Jesus. How can He be different? Jesus never did any miracles before this moment. 
Okay? Jesus didn't have Bible studies necessarily before this moment. He, he didn't sit on the grassy knolls and teach thousands and thousands before this moment. Something happened. And I don't think we've, we've taken enough time to look at it and understand that this is a big moment in his life. And if it's a big moment in his life, then it probably ought to be a big moment in our life. They are getting quieter and quieter and quieter. Okay? But the, script, the Scriptures teach that the Spirit of God baptized Jesus. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Luke, a little later in Luke, in Luke chapter 4, 1, it tells us that Jesus was full of the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, 14, after Jesus goes through 40 days of temptation, it says that Jesus returned to Galilee. He returned to His, to his home in the power of the Spirit. There was something different about Jesus now. All of a sudden, crowds start to follow Him. He's different. Y'all realize a box cannot contain the Holy Spirit? And Jesus was out of the human box at this moment. He'd stepped out from among us, from, from one who nobody could, you know, nobody saw any difference in. He was a good man, carpenter's son, Joseph's son, Mary's son. All of a sudden, he's, now he's stepped out, and, and he's different. Change has taken place. And everything he did, I said this earlier, everything he did, every miracle, every healing, every deliverance, every act of kindness, every expression of love was done now by a man who was fully obedient to the Father and totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus said, every sermon that he preached, every, every teaching that he gave, folks, were done as a man fully obedient to the Father and totally dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was living life like God intended all of us to live. He was living the life that Adam tossed for an apple or a piece of fruit, whatever it was. He was living the life that, that God wanted all of us to live. And he's, he's given this example. He's, he's a life-size example of what it looked like to live and to minister in freedom. Jesus, in a sense, is, is the poster boy for box-free living. Because he's not in a box. I mean, he's large and in charge. He's out. I mean, he's, he's over the boundary. Just read the New Testament. Just read the Gospels. He's healing on the Sabbath day. The box said, you cannot do that. You can only walk so far on the Sabbath day. You can't pick up a mat on the Sabbath day. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Sounds like the same box most of us grew up in. You can't, you can't, you can't. You don't, you don't, you don't. You shouldn't do this, this, and this. But Jesus is not in the box. And folks, he taught his disciples what it looked like and how it felt and what was possible if they would just allow their faith to trust what the Holy Spirit wanted them to do. And folks, he's equipped us to do the very same thing this morning. If 
We know him as our Savior, and we know him as our Lord. See, Jesus came to demonstrate what living outside the box looks like. Do you know what? Most Christians don't believe this. Most Christians don't believe they can live the life that Jesus lived. I'm going to say that again, because most of you don't believe that, okay? I don't mean to be ugly. I don't mean to be, I'm just being honest. Most of you don't believe what I'm saying, okay? You don't believe that you can do what Jesus said you can do. Well, then if you can't do it, Jesus must be a liar. God forbid, Nelson, you said that. Well, the fact is, he's not a liar, okay? We can live the life that he says we can live. You know, most Christians say they believe that, but they really don't. And I know they don't because they don't live it out. We don't see it. You know what? I've said this before. We live out what we believe. Our faith that is evidenced in our actions is, is a reality of the theology that we hold. Do you believe this? Do you believe you can live the life that Jesus said you could live? One person does. You don't have to answer out loud. Okay? The body of Christ, for the most part, doesn't believe it. And that's why she's weak and she's anemic. And she's weak and anemic because she has no power. We've got all this theology that can explain all this stuff about God, but we don't have any power. Thomas Aquinas, I can't remember the, the, the Pope's name, but Aquinas, went, he was a, a theologian. He went to visit the Pope, and the Pope said, Thomas, have you seen all the gold and the silver? And, and he took him through and showed him all the stuff. And when it was over, he said, Thomas, have you seen it? Isn't it amazing? He said, yes, it is amazing. But uh, he said, the Pope said, we have all the gold and the silver. And Thomas said, yes, we do but we no longer have the power to say, rise up and walk. See, gold and silver. Let me put it this way. The streets of heaven are paved with gold. Gold's what you drive on and ride on in heaven and walk on. Okay? It's, it's like asphalt here. I don't see any of you down there by the interstate chipping you out a big piece of asphalt to wear on your finger. <laughs> Y'all tracking with me? I mean, we get all wiped out about gold streets in heaven. Folks, that's, that's the base that we walk on. That's, that's how much more wonderful heaven's going to be. religious and emotional and intellectual and philosophical boxes they're not destroyed by talk they're not destroyed by theologies they're not even destroyed by sermons folks they are destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit that's it that's all we've got and a lot of us don't got that okay I'm just going to preach it like it is we don't have it. I mean, you say, well, I'm, uh, just stay with me, okay? I'm not, I'm not questioning whether you're saved or anything like that. I'm just saying 
Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He said, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. In power. A few verses earlier, this is the way he put it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, he says, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Folks, salvation is a power experience. It really is. It's not just theology, prayer, prayer, walking out. It's a, it's a move of God in our life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit coming in and, 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 and translating us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Taking us from being a sinner to a saint. It's a, it's a power act. Now, folks, God intended for us to live powerful lives. Not weak and anemic, hide in the corner. Lord, I just have to take this. The devil's killing me. He's beating me to death. That's why we're in the corner, because we won't stand up. Okay, that's another sermon. Let me get on to what I want to say. We can't live the Christian life apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't hear me say anything else this morning. Listen to me there. If we attempt to live it any other way, we live in a box. Okay? We live a limited life. The Father empowered Jesus through that baptism of the Spirit. God immersed His Son in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what it means when He tells us that the Holy Spirit descended on Him bodily, in bodily form. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. How, how do we know that the Spirit of God fell on Him? Because He was full of it. How do we know He was full of it? Because it says in a few verses that He went back to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're full of it, that power is shown. It's demonstrated. You say, well, you mean we're supposed to walk around doing miracles a minute? No. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you're different. There's a change that takes place in your life. You're not the coward that you used to be. Look at the apostles. They were hiding for fear of death. Jesus comes in the resurrection and tells him, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait there. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you know what they do? They quit hiding. They immediately go out into the streets and they begin to preach the gospel. They begin to give a witness of who Jesus is. They were changed. They were different. Now, most of us, now, let me back up a little bit. Here's the question. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, don't you think we do? Really? If Jesus needed Him, surely we do. Okay, we're in agreement. Most of us have been taught about the indwelling of the Spirit. Okay? I grew up being taught that. And, and, and the indwelling of the Spirit is, is, is very important because without the indwelling, we're not believers. Okay? And, and I'm going to share a little bit of that in just a minute. But we've been taught very little about empowerment. We got a lot of indwelling. We got in the house. We didn't get to see any of the stuff. We didn't get to see any of the rooms. 
got the indwelling, but, but we haven't been taught very much about the empowerment. Indwelling means that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Okay? Scripture teaches very clearly that if the Holy Spirit does not indwell you, you are not a Christian. Okay? So, please hear me this morning. I'm not questioning whether the Holy Spirit lives in you or not. I'm questioning whether He's empowered you or not. And literally, has Jesus empowered you? Because He's the one that's going to do the empowerment. And so indwelling means that the Spirit of God lives in us. It, it means we belong to Jesus. It means we've been sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that's God's pledge. That's God's wedding ring, in a sense, that He puts on our finger when we come to Christ which tells us that we are His, and in the day of redemption, in that final day, we will still be His. Okay? It takes place the moment we are born again. Amen? That's Bible, right? Anybody, everybody can take a deep breath and go, okay, that's Bible, I believe that. That's what I've been taught all my life. Okay. Now, here's the thing about the empowerment. It may or may not come with the indwelling. Now, I know that's going to mess up some of your theologies. Okay, I realize that. It messes with what you've been taught. But here's the reality. What I've been taught doesn't mesh up with what I see and what I see in people's lives and what I experienced in my own life. Now, I realize experience doesn't go above what Scripture says. I understand that. But when I go back and I read the Gospels and I read Acts, their experience was they were empowered and they walked in power. Every one of them. Everyone that's written about walked in power. These are the same guys who were hovering in corners, hiding, running, scared to death that they, that they were going to die. All of a sudden, they're not scared anymore. And if you read, if you read church tradition and church history, what you'll find is every one of those 11 men, with the exception of John, died a brutal, brutal martyr's death. They weren't the same after they were empowered. They were different. Folks, most of us have been taught about indwelling, but we've not learned about empowerment and folks if, if we don't if we don't have the power if it's not if it's not there for us to fall back on where is it you either got it or you don't got it okay I was taught, taught all my life you get all of it when you when you come to Christ well I couldn't access any of it well that's because you haven't lived a holy life and you haven't done this and you haven't done this. and that. That's not what the New Testament teaches. The New Testament teaches that God poured it out on them like with a bucket. He just opened heaven up and poured the Spirit of God out. And the Spirit of God filled them and empowered them to do what they've been called to do. They didn't have it all together. If you read the New Testament closely Peter still messed up in fact Paul says I had to rebuke him to his face so you know what they, do, they didn't become perfect they just became powerful 
in their faith. Jesus made some powerful statements just prior to his to his ascension. And I I'm just going to I'm going to share these with you. I'm not here to to make you believe something that you don't believe or teach you something new that's not biblical. I'm just going to let scripture speak for itself. You get by yourself with God and you decide if it works for you, okay? Jesus quotes John the Baptist in Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. John the Baptist said that there was one who was coming. He said, I baptize with water. But there's one that's coming. He baptizes in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay? When we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit... 1 Corinthians says that the Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. The Spirit does the baptism. John says that Jesus is going to do some baptisms. He's going to pour out the Spirit on his followers. And so, all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Jesus is is preparing to ascend. He's he's in his resurrected, glorified body. He's, He's saying the last things that are important the most important things that he saved to last before he ascends into heaven to sit down at the Father's right hand. And this is what he says. He says, In gathering them together, who? The disciples. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water. Undoubtedly, Jesus taught the same thing. He said, You've heard this from me. John baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus just made them a promise. I'm I'm going to pour out, I'm going to empower you to do what I've taught you how to do for the last three and a half years. I didn't just teach you a lesson, push you out there and let you fend for yourself. I'm going to empower you with the same power that I walked in. You've been using my power. But I'm going to give you your own power from the Holy Spirit. It's still my power, but you're going to get, I'm going to pour it out on you. And so in Acts 1.8, Jesus says this. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And if you go back to Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and this won't be on the screen. This is what Jesus says. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father. What was the promise? Well, in Joel, the Scripture says that God was going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. On men and women. On boys and girls. On servants and on free. In other words, Gentiles and Jews alike. He was going to pour out His Spirit. He was going to empower His people, whether they were slaves or they were free, whether they were male or female, whether they were Gentile or Jew, He was going to empower them to live the life that He had called them to. And all of you know what happened ten days later. They go to the upper room, and for ten days they wait. And Jesus destroys the boxes. I don't, that's just the only way I know to say it. The Spirit of God comes in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, And they were all, all, all filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus had told them that he'd baptize them in the Spirit, that they would, he would empower them to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the world. And, and like I said earlier, these people were changed. They were different. Their boxes were exploded. See, we, we tend to believe that they were all bold and gregarious and outgoing. They were, some of them were meek and mild and quiet. Some of them were loud and obnoxious. Some of them were in between. They were all over the, the, you know, the, 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 the spectrum. Some were extroverts, some were introverts. But when the Spirit of God filled them, they were all witnesses. They went out to proclaim and to demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus had blown their boxes apart, and people recognized it. They saw it. They heard it. A crowd gathered. Later, they would arrest Peter and, 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 and John and, and bring them before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin would go, these are the guys that used to be with Jesus. See, they recognized the difference. They knew, these people knew that they had been empowered. They knew they were different. Now, you may be thinking, yeah, but that was a one-time thing. That's what started the church. It doesn't happen that way today. Yep, that's what I was taught to. Same thing. Okay? And I lived in a box, a religious box and an emotional box, until I got so desperate that I began to read this book right here. Okay? Just read it through the eyes of somebody who was starving to death. Not through some denominational eye or some professor's eye or some preacher's eye or some teacher's eye. But just as somebody who was hungry. Okay? I don't understand everything. In fact, the more I learn, the less I understand. God gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But here's one thing I do understand. Holy Spirit plus believer equals empowered follower of Christ, equals a witness. Okay? Whatever you want to define a witness as. Holy Spirit plus a believer equals an empowered witness for Christ. I understand that because every time I read these passages, that's what I see. There is no such thing as a powerless Christian in the New Testament. So if they're not in the New Testament, that creature does not exist. Okay? That creature is a box creature of our own making. Y'all with me? Okay. Now, I got hungry and I got desperate. And folks, this is really... I just got willing to accept what Jesus said for what he meant instead of what somebody else had tried to explain he meant. See, God loves us so much that he put his word in our language. And whether you like the King James or the New American Standard or the NIV, or the ESB, or the EIEIO translation, okay? <laughs> We've got the Word of God 
in our language. And if we will just read it and walk it out and live it, we will see it happen just like they did. It's, it's, yes, there are some things in here that are debatable, okay? I just don't have time to debate them anymore. All right, I, I want Jesus. And I want Him so bad that, you know what, I'll just love you if you don't agree with me. And you, you, hopefully you'll love me, and we'll just be brothers and sisters, and we'll go on. But here's the thing I'm not willing to give up. I'm not willing to give up the power to live the, the life that Christ has called me to because I have lived most of my life without that power, without that ability. And here's what I was told. You just need to read your Bible more. I'm reading it a lot. We'll pray more. I'm praying a lot. We'll read your Bible more. I'm reading my Bible more. We'll pray more. Jesus never told his disciples, read your Bible more. Pray more. They're supposed to read the Word. We're supposed to read the Word of God, and we're supposed to pray. Jesus said, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to pour out my Spirit in you so that you can do what I expect you to do and what I've called you to do. And folks, I just got to the place Well, I didn't care anymore what I've been... Well, let me, let me back up. I do care what I've been taught. And I've been taught wonderful things. But I got to the place where I was no longer concerned what anybody else thought. I was so desperate and so hungry that, God, you're the only one that matters to me. And if this is what you want me to walk in, this is where I will walk. You guard me. You put your hands around me. Don't let me fall into to craziness or, 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 or stupidity or ignorance. You keep me in the, in the middle of your lane. I said, God, I surrender. I give up. I surrender. What I realized is I was like a power saw. Y'all know what a power saw is. Cut lumber with it. Man, it, it'll cut your fingers right off. Trust me. Now, I got all mine. But I know plenty of people that don't. Okay? Because a power saw is a powerful tool. But you know, I can set it in the floor by a plug and stretch that plug over to the, the plug but not plug it in, and that power saw will never run. And I realized I was a power saw. I unplugged in. I was going to be a power saw, I was going to be a believer until I got to heaven. It wasn't going to change because Christ had come into my life and he had saved me. I was indwelt with his spirit. But I wasn't plugged in. And God would ask me from time to time, son, would you like me to plug you in? God, you don't do it like that anymore. I'm already plugged in. Son, would you like me to plug you in? Well, God, I'm already plugged. Well, son, finally God said, how is that working for you? Well, God, my wheel's not, my, my, my blade's not spinning. And so I just, you know, I just got to that place where I was frustrated and I was empty and I was in a box and there wasn't any way out. So I began to seek Him. 
I began to ask him. I began to knock. I read the scriptures over and over and over through eyes that that tried as hard as they could to put aside the presumptions and, and, and all the things that I've been taught, the presuppositions. I laid aside my theological systems and my excuses. And I just got real humble with God. And I asked Him to forgive me for being arrogant and stupid. Okay? You may not have to ask Him to forgive you for being arrogant and stupid. I had to. And I asked Him for, to forgive me for putting Him in a box or trying to put Him into a box. Now, folks, what I'm going to share with you is not, it's, it's not rocket science. And, and I want you to understand this because I know some of you are a little bit un comfortable right now I'm not talking about being slain in the spirit I'm not talking about falling in the floor I'm not talking about speaking in in tongues I'm not talking about stuff like that I'm not talking about other occurrences that are manifestations that, that, that sometimes do occur in the lives of believers and have and will and, and may in the future that's not what I'm talking I'm talking about I'm talking about more than than an, uh, an experience. I'm talking about an encounter with God. Okay? Where you know that you know that you know you're filled with the Spirit. See, I've, I've, I was taught that you pray, you ask God, you believe it. Well, they prayed, and God did it, and they believed it. Okay? Because I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and asked and asked and asked and asked and didn't see any difference. But I'm going to tell you something. When God plugs you in, your spiritual motor will begin to spin. It will begin to turn. Your box will explode. And what will happen is you'll begin to walk in the presence and in the power of God, just like Jesus. And if you keep walking in the power of His Spirit, you will do what Jesus did, and even greater things. And that's what Jesus said to do. I want to share with you what I believe is the way you do this, okay? It's going to be real simple. It's not going to be what I think. It's going to be what Scripture says. Fair enough? I'm going to read you some, some words. They're the words of Jesus. They're read in my Bible. Okay? In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said this, If you then, being evil or wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Pretty simple, right? I went back and I thought, I wonder what they were praying in the upper room. Jesus said, I'm going to clothe you with power. I'm going to send the Spirit. The Old Testament in Joel had taught that God was going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. I wonder what they were praying. God, would you just fill me? Would you pour out your Spirit on me? Would you give me your Holy Spirit? That's all this verse says. 
Who will God give His Holy Spirit to? Those who ask. It's simple. I I don't know how I missed it for 40-something years. There it is in black and white. Who will He give it to? To those who ask. To those who ask. To those who ask. You bound up this morning in a box? Ask. You living a powerless life? Ask. Are you hungry this morning? Then ask. Are you thirsty for more? You just can't get enough of God? Then ask. Ask. Here's the sermon in a nutshell. Ask. One word. Three letters. Ask. 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 Keep asking until you know you've gotten what you asked for. See, I was taught you just ask, believe it, and go on. Let me ask you a question. How do you know when a prayer is answered? When it's answered. When you can see or understand that what you've asked for has happened. That's what took place on Pentecost. They could see and understand that what God had promised had happened. Folks, don't just be the bridesmaid. Be the bride. Ask. Is your God too small this morning? You may be thinking, you know what, my God's a little too small for this, Nelson. Then ask. Because He'll get bigger. You say, well, Nelson, i got all kinds of questions. Me too. Set the questions aside and just ask. God will give you exactly what you need. It will be far more than you could have imagined. It will be everything that you want. He will give you Himself. That's who the Holy Spirit is. It's the Spirit of Jesus. That's what Scripture says. It's God in you. But when you're empowered, God in you comes out. And it's God all over everybody else around you. And folks, that's what we need. That's what the body of Christ needs. We don't need another president in Washington. We don't need a Congress that can get to lo- around. I mean, together we do, but, but the reality of it is what we need more than anything else is believers who are empowered with the, with the Spirit of God. We would change this nation in less than a month, maybe in a week. If everybody who professes to be a Christian were empowered by Christ, this country would change. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.